Welcome everyone to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Today's program is about public service. If you are a veteran, if you have served your country and you are thinking about public service, this is the episode for you. We talk with Dwight Bodorf and Ray Kerr, both of them uh, working in the Tarentum region of Pittsburgh, which is kind of north. We kind of talk about that. We talk a bit about their service. If you've watched The Scuttlebutt for some time, you know Dwight from some previous episodes, uh, but he got, he got in touch with me and he said, hey, I'd love to talk about veterans serving um, after service. And can we do that? I said, yes, definitely, because we need more veterans serving not only uh, in in politics in Congress, uh, but in public service, you know, as police officers, as uh, ambulance drivers, uh, you know, volunteering to help clean up the community. The experience that veterans have is so needed in this realm because uh, everything that they are bringing to the table, the, the sense of community, the, the sense of helping each other out, uh, we talk about all of that is really, uh, is, is front and center when you go into public service. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation with Dwight and Ray, and uh, we get into a bit about how you are able to do that. Uh, if you're kind of lost in the, you know, where do I go? Who do I talk to? What website do I go to? We're going to have all of that in the description. Um, Dwight is a, is a perfect resource for this. Uh, he has committed his, his life uh, after service to public service. Um, I think these are two uh, great role models uh, for this reason. And um, I hope you enjoyed the episode too. Please like, share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And um, if you need to reach out to me, it's Sean, S-H-A-U-N at veteransbreakfastclub.org. Welcome to the program, Dwight Bodorf and uh, Ray Kerr. Dwight, uh, you've been on the Scuttlebutt a couple times. Excited to have you back for the program. Can you give us an update on on where you're at and uh, and sort of the topic that we want to cover today? And and Ray, of course, welcome as well. We're going to get to you in just a sec. Great. Yeah, thank you for having me back. Uh, my name is Dwight Bodorf. I am the uh, newly minted borough manager for Trenton Borough. Uh, when I was on the show before, I served as the chief veterans affairs officer for Allegheny County. And prior to that, I ran public uh, affairs and patient advocate for the VA healthcare system. I am a former Marine and uh, served in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Thank you so much, Dwight. And Ray, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, uh, like my name, like you said, is Ray Kerr. I'm on Trenum Council. This is my second tour on Trenum Council. I was on a few years back, then got off. And we had somebody resign from council and I got a couple phone calls asking me if I'd consider putting my name back in, which I did. And I was voted in uh, two years ago. And I'm retired from Elgin Ludlam Steel Mill, which is ATI now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I retired back in 2003 and just, you know, live in town, raise my grandkids like a lot of people are, enjoying life every day. Very nice. And Ray, you are an Army veteran. Yes, sir. And you said your yes. years were 70, uh, 70, 71? 70 and 71. Uh, <clears throat> in the lottery in 69, my birthday was 19th number mm -hmm. pick. So it was like I was packing my bags right then. I was known, I, I knew I was going. I went into the Army, figured I was going to go to Vietnam, even though it was towards the end of the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. but I was sole surviving son, and I didn't have to go overseas unless I volunteered or re-enlisted. So I Is just put my two years in. I was drafted, but I enlisted for the two years because a recruiter got credit, and it didn't do anything to my time or anything. Mm -hmm. So I did him a favor, I guess. Is it a tough spot to be in that, you know, you're, you're in and there's this sort of option, this sort of like gray area of where like you could go, but you, you choose not to go. Um, you know, I, I've not spoken with anybody who was not sort of forced to go uh, during that Vietnam time or just didn't serve in that, that arena because they weren't made to go there. So in your particular position, uh, how did you sort of reconcile like, I'm in, I'm doing my service, but I, I also I don't need to be be deployed. Well, they don't tell you, meaning the army doesn't mm -hmm. tell you about the being sole surviving son until the end of basic training. Mm. So I went in, like I tell people, I went into basic training. I was going to be like another John Wayne or Audie Murphy 
because I figured I was going to Vietnam. And I came out of base, the top five or 10% of each basic training class comes out in E2, private E2. You're allowed to wear a stripe, you get a couple more dollars. And I came out in E2 and at graduation, I asked the captain when we got our orders and I was going to Fort Eustis, Virginia, I asked the captain about it and that's when he explained that to me. But before that, I had no idea. Uh, my relatives had no idea. You know, they were just like sad to see me go. Right. And most of them, I hope. <laughs> and uh, so when I got down to Fort Eustis, I, I took it as a job. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was just going to put the two years in. So I, I just did my job. And it's like being a civilian. You do your eight to four, nine to five job. But mm -hmm. back then, it's like 530 to five type okay. job. And I just I put my time in. And being that I was about four, four and a half hours from home, that's pushing it. From Virginia, I, I grew up in Freeport, Pennsylvania, just up mm -hmm. the river. Right. Uh, I was home, you know, one weekend a month because right. Fridays or Saturdays and Sundays really didn't have a lot to do. I was in an AIT detachment and... AIT, that stands for? Advanced Individual Training or Advanced yeah. Infantry Training. Gotcha. And I was in the 714th transportation battalion railway operating steam and diesel electric it was the last railroad battalion in the army oh, wow. and we trained permanent party and reservists in a railroad mos mm -hmm. so uh, i'd get my job done on friday and i was done till monday morning so so if you know my wife teases me she's the only one that knows i'm the only one she ever heard of commuted to the army <laughs> well being sole survivor i mean that's a that's a, a real thing it's a big responsibility to to be that last sole survivor of the family and the yeah. army thankfully respects that and says you know we're not going to send you into a, a life-threatening situation yes correct at that time did you uh and this will get to our main question of of this episode uh at that time did you think about public service at all uh not not a whole lot i was 18 you know when invincible I in, you know so not not a whole lot uh mm -hmm. i just you know i worked a little job at a it used to be a little sports shop in freeport and i worked there and i opened it up at 10 in the morning and the owners came at five because they had other jobs mm -hmm. And and then when the mill was hiring, I put my name in. I <clears throat> filled out an application, got hired. Mm -hmm. So not a whole lot. You know, like but I there said, was something. Was 18, just, pardon me. So you 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 stayed within that community for long enough that you felt like helping to serve the community in a bit in a bigger way was sort of a calling eventually. Yes. And that yeah. sort of, yeah, and that sort of leads us to sort of this big idea that, that uh, Dwight had emailed me about this idea of, okay, you've served your country by serving, by being in the military. Then you get out and you should, you know, there, there are ways to further serve into public service. And should you do that? Would you want to do that? And we know that a very select few of veterans are serving throughout public service, not just Congress, you know, the White, right. you know, White House, wherever. Um, so there's certain experience and expertise that each veteran is going to bring to that, that arena um, that we would hope uh, to have. And it's about finding the veterans who want to be able to continue service in that way. Um, Dwight, uh, you know, what makes you passionate about this? Uh, a number of things, you know, uh, working with numerous military veterans over the years and um, various government roles, you know, I, I've, come across a lot of veterans who kind of ask themselves the question of, will I ever do anything as meaningful again as when mm. I was in the military? And a lot of a lot of them kind of chase that of how do I get back to doing something impactful and meaningful? And for a lot of people, the answer is some form of public service. 
you know, it's a way to do something bigger than yourself and to give back in a different type of scenario. So, you know, we know that there's a lot of veterans who go into the police force, for example, you know, they do get um, a few extra points. We know that like a third of the entire federal government is made up of veterans. They get preferences. Uh, it starts to fall off a little in local government. It's not as high as a percentage, but they are there. We also see a lot of veterans who run for political offices, you know, from the lowest level of government all the way up to Congress and, of course, previous presidents who have served. So I, I think it's something that's kind of gets ingrained into you while you're in the service. And then for a lot, once they get out, is how do we get back to that realm of making a difference? Got a lot of questions. You know, I love that idea <laughs> of um, as meaningful as your military service. Um, how did you personally decide to, to go into public service? Either before or after the military? Uh, after. Oh, <laughs> so, um, well, I kind of I kind of fell into it, to be honest with you. Um, when I came back from the military, I, I think we discussed before in the show, I, um, you know, I got hurt pretty, pretty severely, and that kind of derailed any plans that I had. And so I ended up working at Penn State part time in their veterans office. And that led to a lot of interactions with fellow veterans who were having similar experiences and circumstances that I was. And they just, they didn't know anything about their benefits, the, you know, their publicly earned benefits for their service, mm -hmm. their GI Bill, their home loans, their health care. And it kind of clicked on me at that point of like, well, why aren't we doing a better job of letting these people know how to access the benefits that in a lot of cases, you know, they, they've shed their blood for, for. Yeah. Um, and a couple of years after doing that and, and routinely in that thing, and I said, you know what, I can do this. I can, I can continue to help other veterans. And so that led into a career, uh, over the last 15 years in some sort of public service, uh, helping military veterans in various forms of government. And I am now at the point in my career that, you know, I can help more than just veterans. I've, I've learned so many things about government operations at all various levels that I can help a broader population while still helping veterans. But now I can help, you know, I can help a town, I can help a city, I can help a county achieve kind of the best things for them. Um, and maybe steer a few other people also towards public service to make things better for their local communities. That sounds, it, it sounds almost uh, too difficult to handle. In, in the sense of if I, I can help out a group of veterans, you know, that seems pretty manageable. But as you sort of build that into community and city and, you know, expand that bubble, um, does it get more difficult or, you know, it, the, 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 the mouths to feed become more, you know, much more differentiated? That's a good question. So yes and no. Um, it's a different type of challenge and difficulties. Uh, you know, so when you're focused on one kind of subpopulation veterans in that case, mm -hmm. the needs are very diverse. So, you know, you're dealing with people that need help getting a job. You you're dealing with people that might need help with their VA healthcare, but you're also dealing with homelessness, substance abuse. Maybe their healthcare isn't working out so great for them. You've got federal benefits, state benefits, local benefits, and navigating those complex systems. Whereas kind of where I'm at now, you're thinking more in terms of macro, you're, you're looking at, you know, what is the finances of this town and, you know, how can we help businesses as a whole, maybe not so much the individual, but I don't have to deal with such the emotional kind of burden or trauma that I did before. I'm not directly responsible if somebody is able to get off the street or if somebody um, you know, relapses back into substance addiction and things like that. So there's trade-offs. It is, you know, a lot of responsibility. Um, but I, I think there's pros and cons to each of them, and which certainly is why different types of people gravitate towards different fields in public service. You have your, you know, your social workers in public service, you have your police, you have your accountants, and then you have people uh, like me who 
are managing, you know, cities and towns and things like that in consultation with our elected officials. Ray, what do you, what do you think uh, makes veterans so unique to be able to handle these challenges uh, in a way that, that maybe a, a civilian might not think about? Well, first off, from working at, at a steel mill with thousands of people, we used to kind of joke, you could tell who was in the military and who wasn't when we were younger because you learn to grow up in the military pretty quickly. I was never really away from home until I went to basic training mm -hmm. and without my family. And I think that because of that, you, you get an understanding for teamwork and, you know, it's, it's like a phrase thrown out there now, but you know, to cover somebody's six, cover their back, <clears throat> and not to put yourself first, to worry about, you know, whether it's who you're working with in the mill, or who you're on council with, or the people in town, uh, playing, you know, I played baseball, I played a lot of softball, I got into coaching when we had kids, and to put the other person first, and if everybody does that, everything runs a lot smoother, mm -hmm. you know, and I just, you know, I, I don't worry about myself so much, you know, because, you know, I can handle myself. I, I try to help the other person out. And especially like in council in Trenum, uh, some of the things we're involved in, we're looking out for the our constituents, our citizens, and our businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think the main thing I, like I said, is worry about the other person. If everybody would care about the other person and not themselves, I think everything would run a lot smoother. True. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And, you know, definitely this, the piece of, uh, when you're in the military, you grow up a lot faster than everybody around you. Yeah. So you have, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it is about the other guy in the military. You know, there yes. you you can't be a one man army. You have to work as a community. So you're coming out with that sort of ingrained in you of like, I'm going to help everybody that I can, uh, so that we can all succeed. Yes. And and the military teaches you know how to deal with and overcome adversity. You know, there's a, a pretty uh, famous saying in the Marine Corps. You know, uh, adapt and overcome, which is option, you know, failure is not an option for many military members as well as veterans. You find a way to make it work. So when you are in a public service situation and you're coming up against these things that really seem impossible, how do we balance a 10, $15 million budget without raising taxes? Also, while, you know, that these things need redone, you know, you have to pave roads and inflation has gone up 40%. How do you budget all that? It's almost impossible. Yeah. But, you know, one of the great things that the military taught us is there is a way you will find a way to make all of those things work. Um, and so a lot of veterans have that attitude that translates well to public service of that adapt and overcome and, you know, find a way to make it work in, in a manner that's good for everybody that's, um, you know, that, that, and you lean on your relationships and resources, just like the military. You know, I, I couldn't do half the things that I do if I didn't have a good relationship with Ray and the rest of council. Um, just like in the military, you rely on the person to your left and your right of you, and public service is very similar to that. Uh, Ray, why did you decide to, to go into council? Well, the first time uh, I was asked by the borough manager and our solicitor at the time, if I'd consider going, uh, you know, I was friend. The solicitor and I were friends. Our daughters played soccer together, mm -hmm. uh, youth soccer all through high school, and and uh, I decided to try it. And it just seems when I get, I don't like to join a lot of things because I want to get involved. Uh, I was a deacon at church for six years. Five of the six, I was president because mm -hmm. I, I get active when I join things. So when I was asked and considered talking over with my wife and I, you know, came on council, I actually enjoyed it. 
the group of council people I was with, uh, we all got along, we worked together, and it was a good experience. And then I just, I could sense there was some politics coming in. And even though I'm a councilman, I'm not a politician. And, you know, can you, I went, I'm sorry to interrupt. Can you define the difference to in that for me? Because I would think councilman, I would think politician, but I would correlate those and they're not necessarily the same, right? No. And that's, and why is that? Uh, in my opinion, a councilman works for the, the borough or the entity he's a councilman in, works for them, for the betterment of the town. Mm -hmm. A politician even though he's working for the town, he's in it for himself. Okay. He, he wants his name put first, every idea he wants credit for. Mm -hmm. And I don't do interviews. The first time I was on, we had a real good uh, reporter from the newspaper in town here. And the first time he wanted to interview me after a council meeting, I pointed to the borough manager and I said, you can talk to him. He makes the big bucks. <laughs> okay. Because I don't care if my name gets in a paper. Yeah. You know, it's because I'm not here to get my name in a paper. A politician is putting themselves first, in my opinion. Which is a big no-no in the military. Yes, correct. Right. Which is part of one of those reasons, I think, that, that veterans make good public service uh, personnel and, and, you know, elected officials, certainly at the local level, um, they're more concerned about what's best for the town, what's best for the county, not what's necessarily best for me. Um, you know, there's always exceptions to every rule, but for the most part, you'll find that the, the veterans that are involved in a lot of the public service jobs, whether that's elected or appointed, really do care more about what's going on in their local area than what's, you know, what, what the job can do for them. Mm -hmm. um, and so Ray, you, you were saying that you felt some politics were starting to come in. How did you respond to it? Uh, I, you know, I really, I was up for re-election and I actually told people not to vote for me. That, you know, I didn't want to have to resign. Reverse psychology, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't even vote for myself. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and, and I was done with it. I was satisfied with the job I did mm -hmm. and everything and went about, like I said, we, my wife and I uh, have raised three grandkids mm -hmm. and, you know, we still have a 15 year old granddaughter who's a sophomore at Highlands High School and our 19 year old grandson, uh, Went one semester to Penn State, New Ken, made the dean's list, but he wanted to take some time off. And he has a good full-time job, and he's, he's still at home. And yeah. our oldest one is uh, working, and he's living out in Sarver, and uh, on the other side of Freeport, and doing well. But, yeah, when this came up again, I asked my wife, of course, got to get permission. And she said, oh, it's up to you. You'll do you know, what you want to do. So I decided to come back on council and everything cleared off. A few of the people that had been on council that I thought were getting too political were mm -hmm. on it for the wrong reasons had left. And uh, we have a good council right now. Do you think people, people that are very political like that leave council because it's not about them, because yes. it's more about everyone else? Yes. Or, or whatever they, whatever they're, uh, issues were or reasons were to get on council had passed. Yeah. Uh, over the years, not, not in Trenum, but other communities, I know people that got involved in the politics because they wanted to do something to get it approved in that community or that entity. Right. And they were on just long enough to achieve their personal goal and then got off. I love this conversation because I really did correlate public service with politics. And I, and, you know, I see now that that's, that's, that it can be a separate thing, despite the fact that even if you're a counselor, you could be elected, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're political or you're a politician. Um, Dwight, yeah. but speaking al along these lines, um, 
you know, it, it, people say after 9-11, the country was, was together. Everybody had a common goal. Everybody was working together. Things are obviously very different now, um, 22 years later. How, over the course of your time, uh, now I know it doesn't date back 22 years, but over the course of your time in public service, how have you navigated this field where people start to feel more divided than wanting to work together? That's a good question. Um, I think the best thing that you can do if you are an appointed official like myself um, is stay neutral, stay apolitical. You know, mm -hmm. I've taken great pains to make sure that I don't, you know, publicly and, and most people, even people who've known me for 10, 15 years would have a hard time telling you um, if I lean left or right, because, mm -hmm. you know, I make it a point not to discuss that. Um, there are techniques that you can certainly utilize that people will infer things, whether that's maybe not exactly the way that you lean, um, you know, just being kind of proactive with your communication and personable and boiling the issues down to the issue at hand and not the greater political implications. Um, you know, so there are examples of that, certainly at the national level and the local level, you know, we know that there's a lot of housing crisis things going on, right? Um, and how we can deal with that at the local level without getting involved in the, in the wider political spectrum and comments is what does that look like specifically in our town and what are our needs in our town, regardless of what's going on outside? You know, we know right. that we're landlocked here in, in Tarentum. We don't have that many additional housing opportunities. What can we do here locally to, you know, make housing available and affordable for residents? It has nothing to do with the politics of the outside world. And what would you say in that vein is, is the hardest part of, of your job? The hardest part of my job is maintaining that neutrality. Um, <laughs> you know, you have people that you are equally responsible for and equally have to work with. You know, I, over the years, I've worked very closely with congressmen and congresswomen and senators from both sides of the aisle, both at the federal level, the state level, the local level, you know, and part of the challenge is, is you, when you have something that you want to work on, Oftentimes, people will interject their politics into it, you know, oh, my opponent doesn't want to do this, or, you know, we really could help the veterans if it wasn't for this political party. And you have to kind of navigate back away from that, because you do have to work with both sides. You know, part of the thing is, as a public servant, as an appointed official, is we don't necessarily set policy. We leave that to, to Ray and to all of the other elected officials. We enact the policy. We create the actual procedures. Mm -hmm. for things to happen and you cannot do that in a political manner um, otherwise you're going to have all kinds of problems and so the most difficult thing for me certainly over the years has been to stay neutral um, you know you have people so when I was at the county mostly the county leadership leans to one side and people would automatically then assume that therefore because I work for that organization I must lean to that side and they would make all kinds of assumptions about well, how we're going to handle veteran situations and policies, which were not necessarily true. Um, you know, so keeping that neutrality definitely is, is, is an everyday task. You would certainly hope, and me, I mean, my personal opinion is I would hope that veteran issues is everyone's issues. That's, you know, across the board, and, and especially nowadays where it, it's, veterans are, are um, really embraced. That hasn't always been the case. Um, Ray, how have you seen the perception of veterans and veterans serving in public service change over the course of your lifetime? Because back in the 70s, it was very different. Well, we're a little unique because even though we're in Allegheny County, we're the last area. We're almost in the Butler County or Armstrong County, mm -hmm. just up the road. So north, and, north of Pittsburgh, anybody listening from outside the area? Yeah. Yeah, if you look at a map, we're approximately 30 miles from downtown Pittsburgh if you go up the Allegheny River. Mm -hmm. so, um, so we didn't have all the, everything you hear about the Vietnam veterans coming home and that, we didn't have a lot of that. Mm -hmm. uh, they just came home and they, they got their jobs 
everything, went back to work. Uh, and their, their attitude, my attitude when I got out of the military, I don't think it changed. It was more like a small town attitude. And you, you kind of went back to your routine. You went to your your former high school football games on Friday nights. And then, you know, you you played basketball against kids or guys from down the road. They came up to your town or you played some pickup football. And everybody kind of got along. And we didn't have, like, a lot of the problems that you hear the stories other people had in the, some of the bigger cities and everything. So as far as, like, public service goes, I know a lot of veterans that got involved one way or the other, whether it was like with the scouts, the little leagues, the youth football, uh, youth basketball, they, they did something to help the community. And granted, a lot of times it's because they had a kid Yeah. and your son or your daughter would show up. So you're going to be there. Uh, that's how I got into coaching baseball here in Trenum. Uh, I took my son down and I sat in the bleachers and, and watch. And I told my wife, I think I know a little more native. <laughs> and, you know, so I'd ask her, you know, can I help coach? Mm -hmm. so, and things like that. But, uh, you know, getting, being in the military, especially towards the end of the Vietnam War, uh, because I got out in 71 and it ended in 73. So they were given a lot of early outs at the time. If you served in Vietnam, you got out a couple months earlier or three months earlier, whatever. And so as it was winding down, our area, our valley, the Elkiski Valley, I don't think had the problems that a lot of the country had. So guys came back and, you know, we all got along. And at the time, it, you know, you argued more over Pitt-Penn State games than you did politics right you know and again back then we had three television stations you know channel two channel four channel 11 and yeah. then you go but the news was all the same it's just what personality did you like to watch better mm -hmm. yeah, and i mean i haven't been around as long as as ray has been in the, in the in some of the politics and stuff but you know i've seen a shift in the last couple of years certainly mm -hmm. um you know, it used to be that much like Ray was saying, you know, a lot of things just you're, you know, veteran in the public service and it kind of wasn't neither here nor there. Uh, when I first started my career, veterans often got a lot of deference. Um, whether you were left or right, it didn't really matter. You were put in some of these positions, especially in higher level government, because you were a veteran. You, you automatically come with a little bit of a, uh, you know, authority a little bit of morality a little bit of deference people just assume that you're an upstanding thing and that used to buy you you know quite a bit of goodwill um and then anymore though we're seeing that just as the country as a whole if if one side identifies you with the other side even if you are a veteran and you've been in the space for how long then automatically you're opinions and thoughts and things are no longer valid they're no good you're you know you're a terrible human being and it doesn't really matter if you're left or right it's just the opposite side does it to each other and it, you know it's unfortunate that people who've spent 20 30 40 50 years of their life from the military to federal service and things of giving back and trying to make the community better are just all of that's taken away by a slight political affiliation um, and in the same vein, and I'm thinking of the next question in both sort of positive view and negative view, and also in the idea of a veteran who may find this podcast say, I'm thinking about going into public service, uh, what should I anticipate? And this is the idea of uh, public perception of veterans. What is, what is a, the positive public perception of veterans in public service? And what is a negative public perception of veterans in service that we can sort of demystify a bit? Sure. I mean, you, got, uh, you want to take it? Yeah, you, you've got a few, um, you know, the, you still have the lingering PTSD um, stereotype that, that is still around in many different environments. Uh, a lot of organizations are getting better about that. There's more training, there's more understanding of, of what's happening, but unfortunately that still does exist and that will hold you back. 
you also have the problem of, even though it's technically against the law, some employers are hesitant to hire, hire people who are National Guard or have other commitments because they know they're going to be gone, you know, a couple times a year for the military commitment. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of one of those unspoken things that even if you go into things like policing firefighter, uh, that can be held against you. On the positive side of that and things that people can expect, you know, a, a lot of places you will get still, you still get that kind of deference of, you know, your service, you bring a lot to the table, you can handle adversity, you've seen things that most people wouldn't see. So even if you're younger, that often affords you, you know, you've had leadership training and experience that a lot of people your age didn't have. And so that can lead to promotions faster. That can lead to more responsibilities that you normally wouldn't get at that age uh, compared to your peers. So there's a lot of good. Um, the good certainly outweighs the bad, mm -hmm. I would say. You also, um, public service, I would argue, is getting harder. You know, things are much more transparent, which is good. Transparency is always good in public service and government. But there's a lot of expectations for public service to meet all of these needs and demands that, that didn't used to exist. You know, got, nobody used to expect government to fulfill every single need. You know, the local governments for years and years and years, our responsibility was taking care of roads and basic infrastructure, not you know, hosting lots of festivals and, you know, helping everybody that has kind of a social services issue and all these things. And now we're more looked at as an all-encompassing body that whatever happens with our citizens that we are responsible for. Um, and that's becoming more and more of a challenge. Hey, did you want to want to follow up on it? Well, I think that Today, you know, being old, okay, uh, my father, my uncles, my friends' fathers, all World War II veterans. You know, just about everybody knows their dad was in World War II. And those guys came back, uh, you know, they were heroes. I mean, you, you watch the things about like liberating Paris and things in the parades they had, parades in New York, ticker tape parades. Those guys were heroes. And I grew up respecting those people. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, you know, I, when I, so when somebody walks up to me and puts their hand out and says, thank you for your service, because I advertise more or less you know, with a hat, the shirt, the jacket, it has army or American flag on it. Um, you know, I, nowadays, at first, I didn't know what to say to them. You know, mm -hmm. you're welcome, you know, and, but now I say it was my honor because I felt that I'm wearing, I wore the same uniform and it's a different style from World War II or the Korean War <clears throat> or the Civil War. But it's still the same uniform that has been worn by American men since 1775. Yeah. And I think it's it was it's my honor to be able to be in that club mm -hmm. is those men, is my dad in World War II. Yeah. And uh, I think that today, because of what they see on television and certain people uh, putting the military down. Uh, it's harder for to get veterans involved in things. Mm -hmm. uh, World War II ended. The guys and some women that were involved, they came home and the guys went to work, uh, went home, ate, got cleaned up or got cleaned up, then ate. Then they, they joined organizations. They joined uh, VFW, the American Legion, the Elks, the Eagles, the Moose, all the fraternal organizations. And they, I don't think they had some of the problems today because they were with like people and they were accepted. They accepted each other. Didn't matter if you were Marine, Navy, Air Force, Army. They, they might have teased each other, which we do today, mm -hmm. as Dwight yeah. pointed out. But uh, 
they were accepted. But today's society, they don't seem to be accepted the same. Yeah. People don't know their neighbors anymore. They live in, you know, housing developments and they can't just walk out and walk 10 feet to their neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. You know, they drive to work. And I think that that's a reason they don't get so much involved. And a lot of it's because of technology, you know, and everything. And that's just the way it is. But I think more veterans would get involved if they would become part of the community. And that's yeah. partly up to them. And that's partly the way society is. They just don't become part of the community. And I always was the type of person that got involved in things. Uh, and like I said before, I always looked out playing baseball, softball for my teammates. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like I was fortunate because I play with groups of guys that, of course, you want to, uh, the bat when the winning runs on third with two outs. <laughs> okay. Right. And if it wasn't me, if it was somebody else, I was you know, praying for him and cheering for him to get that hit. Yeah. Just so we won. Mm -hmm. Not that I won because I never won anything. We won and lost as a team. And I think veterans are used to that. You succeed yeah. or fail as a group of people. Right. Okay. And I think a lot of them don't want to get involved in things, but they should because they would bring that to the table. Yeah, I mean, pub public service can be a very rewarding career. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it. You you do get that shared sense of community. Um, you you get to help oftentimes the community that you live in. You know, if you want to make your park better, if you want to make your street better, if you want to help your neighbors, public service and, you know, government jobs are definitely a way to do that. You know, public service also just isn't limited to the jobs themselves. You know, you can volunteer for the fire departments and a lot of other like-minded organizations that give back to the community. So, you know, even if you do have a job, say at, you know, a for-profit industry, you can still be involved in public service in different avenues. Say a veteran shows up in Tarentum, um, moves there or is from there, uh, comes back, uh, you find out about it, do you, you go and talk to them. And how do you, yeah, just like you just said, how do you encourage them to, to go into public service there in your community? Uh, it's like, what do you sell them? <laughs> what do you sell them on? Sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. It depends on what they're looking for, right? So we do have a lot of the veterans that come back and they feel a little bit lost. They feel like, you know, you, you lose your tribe, so to speak, when yeah. you get out of the military. Uh, these people that life and death situations, you form very, very strong relationships with. And a lot of people, when they come back, even if they do have, you know, friends from high school or college or whatever, it's not quite the same. So oftentimes a good selling point for these types of things, whether that's the VFW, for example, offers that camaraderie, but so do things like the fire department, the volunteer fire department, or serving on a community council or a board to help, you know, reintegrate that veteran back into the community, but also make meaningful decisions or in some cases help save people's lives mm -hmm. which some of those veterans you know that's the type of things that they're looking for i i again we go back to depends on what that individual veteran is looking for or what we would push them towards you know if they're looking for a job to support themselves or if they're looking for a career there are many benefits to public service and there's a lot of things that specifically for veterans to help them get a job in the public sector that are not available to civilians. And so we'd push them towards those type of avenues. Uh, such as? So you get veterans preference for the federal government and the state government. So you get an automatic um, five point preference for being a veteran. If you have a certain disability level, you get 10 point preference. So and that oftentimes is the difference between being a top candidate and being kind of a mid-tier candidate. It also comes down to if you have two candidates that basically score exactly the same, the government will go with the veteran over the non-veteran if the score is similar. 
when you, you say have, score, what do you mean by score? So when you test for like a federal job, for example, they they score you. you based off of your experiences in your education. And oftentimes you'll have to answer questions, you know, how good are you at project management on a scale from one to ten and X, Y, and Z? So they'll they'll take all that information and they'll they'll score you. Yeah. You get you get some additional points if you are a veteran or a disabled okay. veteran. Mm -hmm. They can help you into the job. There are also certain jobs that are only open to veterans. So in the federal government, there are different types of jobs. There's jobs that are open to all citizens. There's jobs that are for military only. There's jobs that are for recent college graduates. And then there's a whole slew of categories for veterans only, for disabled veterans only, for spouses of veterans. Mm -hmm. So the federal government really does encourage, and so does the state government, encourage veterans to apply. You will see a lot of local governments that also have either veterans preferences. This is particular, uh, particularly important in the police forces. You'll see a lot of police, the state police and things like that, that do provide veterans preference. There's also a few different benefits too. So depending on what type of government it, you're in, you might be able to buy back your military service towards retirement. So instead of spending 20 years in an organization, you might be able to only spend 10 or 15 and they will give you credit and you buy back your military time as a discount. So you can retire, you know, 10, 15 years earlier than most people in your organization could because of your military service. So there are definitely benefits to going into public service as a veteran that you wouldn't normally get. This sounds like something, is this newer? Or is this something that's been around for forever? Because this sounds like, you know, a nice benefit that I may not have known about a long time ago. Yeah. So some of these programs have been around since as far as I know, like the post office, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of, yeah, lots of veterans, you know, two, work at the post people office. put in for a job at the post office and one's a veteran and they have to take a test. The veteran gets so many points added to his score. Yeah. So, yeah, know, that, 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 that's a big help. The yeah. veteran's hiring preference has been around for, for, yes. for quite a long yes. time. Now, there mm -hmm. are some newer benefits. So, like, the, the special kind of provisions for hiring veterans that are disabled, those are newer. I know that particularly the ones for spouse preference, that's newer. Mm -hmm. And you are seeing more and more state governments that are trying to create specific programs for veterans, you know, whether that's a, a hiring preference, sometimes it's a tax credit for organizations that hire veterans. Um, sometimes it's direct licensing transition. So if you, for example, drive trucks, a seven ton in the military for years and years and years, you know, you basically, you've got a military grade CDL, but you would come back to your home state or wherever, and you'd still have to go through the CDL training and spend the money and get recertified. Right. Well, you're seeing more and more states that are saying, well, that's not necessary. If you can pass the test, you already have the training and the experience from the military. And that's good for not just private sector jobs, but public sector jobs. Yeah. You know, our, our public works folks, um, a lot of them have to have CDLs. And so if we were able to get somebody who already has that experience, instead of either us paying for it or training somebody, it's easier to bring somebody in that has that experience and we can just get them tested and, and then they become part of the team. Right. Um, so more and more places are, are trying to get different avenues to help veterans back into jobs. What is the best way and maybe the fastest way to get involved? Is it going onto the government website, you know, the local government website, you know, how do you look for the thing you say, okay, well, I was a, you know, I was a machine gunner, you know, well, how do I translate those skills into public service? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It still vexes many businesses and people. Um, I would say there's a couple of different places you could go. You know, the, the VA, love it or hate it, people have mixed feelings on it. They are an excellent resource for helping you get involved with lots of things. So whether that's jobs and resume building and, and, getting into federal government or state government or local government, VA is often one of the first places people go to. Okay. Um, in Pennsylvania, the Department of Labor and Industry um, has uh, what's called DVOPS and 
so they are disabled veterans um, personnel. And what they do is they help people, help veterans that are disabled and regular um, veterans get jobs. Yeah. So their entire job is helping veterans get jobs. So they mm -hmm. are all over the state. Then you have local organizations such as in here in Pittsburgh, we have Pittsburgh Hires Veterans that can mm -hmm. help with that. You also have a lot of the colleges, right? So people often overthink, well, I have to have a degree from the college for them to help me. That's not necessarily the case. Mm, okay. Uh, the Community College of Allegheny Campus or Allegheny County runs a really cool program that if you are a resident of Allegheny County, their career services division will help you find a job and write a resume and interview, whether or not you've actually been to school there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and they have people that specifically help with veterans, you know, that's translating mm -hmm. military skills and things like that and getting jobs. So there's a lot of really great resources at the federal level and the local level. You just kind of got to know where to look. Yeah. You know, if all else fails and you can't figure it out, go to the VA they will be able to point you to federal and local resources. What would be now, uh, sort of going back to the genesis of this idea, when you emailed me and said, hey, I want to talk about this, uh, what would be your hopeful call to action for anybody who may find this, this podcast, uh, any veteran that might be searching? Yeah, reach out to fellow veterans, reach out to people in public service. It is a very rewarding career. And we, frankly, we, we need more of you. We need more veterans in public service. There is a turnover uh, happening in public service. The previous generation is exiting the workforce. There is not enough people with experience that are taking these positions like borough managers and you know things that are in state directors of county. Veterans are a great resource to help fill that gap and mm -hmm. it's very rewarding to boot so it, it benefits everybody if you are struggling and you don't kind of know how to break into that sector you can always reach out to the um, international county management association so they are a very big organization across the country they have a veteran specific program that helps you get into local government and state government jobs that's actually how i kind of in a roundabout way came to this job is they have a veterans in government fellowship and they will connect you with other veteran public servants in your area. So mm -hmm. they will go down through the roster and they'll say, Hey, you know what? There's four other borough managers in Allegheny County that are veterans that we're going to put you in contact with. And through those connections, they can help you get into local government, understand the space a little bit more, meet with elected officials that might be able to tell you a little bit more about their town and their operations and what they need. I'm going to uh, hit you up after our recording to get some of these websites so that we can have them all here in the chat uh, or in yep. the description uh, for anybody who's going to be looking for this. Uh, it'll be as easy as scrolling down and clicking on a link and you should, you know, will be right there. Um, yep. Ray, same question to you. What would be your call to action to get more veterans more involved? Well, uh, now, Dwight is, has a background in this, so uh, I'm not going to sound as good as he did. But for me, uh, when when somebody gets out of the service and, and I run into them, and I thank them for their service and talk to them about it, and, you know, kind of ask them, you know, what's going on, you know, you, you have a job or, you know, things like that. Uh, to get them involved, uh, just to talk to them. And sometimes it's not talking to them to get them involved, it's listening to them. Because a lot of times they need somebody to talk to. And, you know, there's, there's veteran programs. I'm involved with Team Red, White, and Blue. Uh, not, not big time. I do one event a year because of my family situation and that. And that's keeping the American flag going on 9-11 from 5.30 in the morning till 8.30 at night up yeah. Natrona Heights. It's a mile walk down, a mile walk back. Mm -hmm. And we keep at least one flag going the whole time. And uh, I talked to a lot of veterans up there. And it's, you know, get involved. Maybe not jump in with both feet right away into public service, but get involved in something. 
get involved with, uh, there's a lot of veterans organizations now to help today's veterans, people like Dwight, okay, that came back. These these people today are, I don't know, is it one, like 1% 1 of our populations in the military? Yeah. Less than, less carrying, than one half of 1%. Okay, they're carrying a load. Yeah. And, and they're trained to do everything that nobody wants to hear about. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they, when they come back, it's, it's going like from darkness to light or however you want to phrase that. And they, they need something to uh, get rid of all this energy they have inside them, everything that they've been taught in the military and they've been involved with uh, when they've been deployed. And so get involved with some type of veterans group, like-minded people. Yep. And then get involved with your church. Uh, a lot of churches will welcome veterans with open arms. Yeah. Uh, get involved with the church. You don't have to go gung-ho and, you know, over the top, so to speak, in your involvement. Just do a little bit. Get involved with youth groups. Mm -hmm. A lot of veterans have a lot that they can can teach the youth groups. Definitely. Uh, see if, if your local high school has anything going on. If see if they need somebody to speak at schools on Veterans Day, mm -hmm. and just take it slow, get involved easy, and then then if if you enjoy it, then start looking at your local governments, and seeing what they need. Uh, we we do things in Trenum like cleanup days and things like that. That we have some veterans that, and you don't even know they're veterans. Yeah. A lot of them, you know. You know, I wear the flag every day type. I'm that type of veteran. And a lot of them weren't that way. Right. They just, you know, but they just, you know, they want to get involved, but they don't know how. So it and doesn't matter about your age. Like, no, no. You, yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, public services for all, all ages of, you know, military veterans. Um, and, and to Ray's point, just getting involved in anything. Um, will help kind of guide you in the right direction. And for many people, that's how they eventually end up in public services. Maybe they start small. Maybe they started yeah. a, a cleanup day and say, hey, you know what? This is pretty cool. I, I had no yeah. idea our governments did this type of thing. And that just leads them to getting progressively more involved until you, next thing they know, they're sitting in a, in a chair interviewing with somebody about their uh, yeah. public service. Or, You've made or, it. There, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of veterans that will looking for people to help out they'll drive other veterans to the va hospitals yeah the doctor's appointments things like that or, or volunteer at the court and uh, i know a couple of veterans who do that yes yeah. yes mm -hmm. um well excellent this is i mean this is all really uh excellent information for any veteran who might be looking to go into public service and the, the positives of it uh, you know why it's so important um, it, I think it continues to feed that desire, that passion for serving the country. Um, you're serving the community. Um, I have to say, though, here at the end, uh, I would be remiss. One of our sponsors is D&D Auto Salvage, and I believe they have a metal recycling there right in Tarentum. Uh, I know that's one of their recy metal recycling facilities is in Tarentum. Yeah. Uh, Sun well, it's right out of town, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, Sun Mine Road. Maybe, yeah. They, uh, I know one of my. Whenever I do, like, we have our sponsor at the end of the program. If you watch through our our final yeah, here, yes, you're a viewer. Yes. You'll hear me thank D and D for sponsoring the scuttlebutt. But I'm glad that we had. Uh, it's, it's a it's a Trenum address. Yeah. Okay. Which which goes pretty far out. Yeah. So right. it's it's side note. It's weird. So technically, the Pittsburgh Mills is Trenum, but it is nowhere near the borough. It's in Fraser Township. Oh, see, this is the weird thing about Pittsburgh. If you're listening and you're like, you know, what's wrong with Pittsburgh? It's because there's too many neighborhoods. I don't know yeah, where you, all yeah, you are. You hit the nail yes. on the head right there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, we have a school district that graduates less than 200 kids a year in its four communities. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, Pittsburgh. And, and I'm, I'm south of the city. And everybody says like, you know, why don't you know the east or the north? And it's like, well, it's because that's through a tunnel, over a bridge, through over yeah. another bridge. I just know that's north. 
Like yeah, because <laughs> there's a hundred and what thirty municipalities in Allegheny County. That's what. Yeah, exactly. And the only yeah. way that we know how to tell people to get from one to the other is to say, go down that road and hit the McDonald's and hang a left, and yes, you'll be correct. sort of there. Yes. <laughs> uh oh, I hear people coming in, so we're we're yeah. gonna time this well. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys both so much for being a part of the Scuttlebutt to our audience. Please like, share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. Check out our description for the links if you want to get involved. Uh, Dwight and Ray, thank you so much for being a part of the Scuttlebutt. Well, uh, some final you. final words before we thank end. You very yeah, thank you very much, and and please get involved. You know whether that's yes. a veterans organization or public service, get involved. Yeah, and all the veterans out there, thank you for your service, and God bless you. Thank you both. We'll hope to see you again on a future episode of the Scuttlebutt. All right, sounds Thanks, good. Sean. Bye. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank both of our sponsors, the first being DND Metal Recycling and Auto Salvage. They began as a small hauling and used auto parts operation in the Pittsburgh area in the late 1970s, but they've grown into a full-service metal recycling company with two locations, Lawrenceville and Tarentum. DD accepts all types of metal, both ferrous and non-ferrous, that may be generated by industrial manufacturing, construction and demolition, small commercial entities, as well as individual customers. They have a wide variety of material handling equipment and are capable of managing any type of job in a timely and efficient manner. You can contact them for quotes and availability at DD. &D. That's DD &D Auto Salvage. Dot com. Uh, thank you so much to DND. Uh, they've been a sponsor for quite some time, and we really appreciate their support. Uh, the second being Tobacco Free Adagio Health. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and to getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health. So they want people to quit and they have classes and nicotine replacement therapy and a popular quit line, which is the easiest number to remember ever, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew, snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. Finally, Tobacco-Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all of what Tobacco-Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org, or you can watch our recent episode with Tobacco-Free Adagio Health on the Scuttlebutt, uh, where they talk about a lot of the programs that they offer for those who are looking to quit. Thank you to both of our sponsors for their continued support of the Scuttlebutt podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks.